0: It's because we truly believe, and it's part of our mission, that there is enough spaces to go around. 14 million people a year who get Botox. There's never going to be enough nurses to treat the amount of people who are going to get aesthetic. So why be jerks about it?
1: How do we, as medical professionals, create the life of our dreams and still impact the lives of our patients? My name is Dr. Adam Sewell, and I'm here to show you how to break free of the traditional healthcare system that has you overworked and underpaid. If you're ready to join us, visit freedomthroughprosperity.com. But for now, let's get into today's episode. All right, welcome to another episode of Medical Entrepreneur Podcast. We are so excited to have Mary and Carla Smiley with us on and uh, Mary and Carla, uh, please let us know a little bit more about yourselves and tell us about your journey.
0: Uh, sure. So I am Mary Smiley Ford. Smiley is our main name, which is how we came up with Smiley Aesthetics. I am founder and CEO of Smiley Aesthetics. And I'll let Carla introduce herself. Yep. I'm Carla Smiley Pearson. I'm also a co-founder and co-owner with Mary of Smiley Aesthetics. And my title is CEO or Chief of Business and Operations.
1: Um well tell us a little bit more about kind of your journey uh and, and maybe we start with like you know how did you first get into medicine and then what made you follow the entrepreneurial route that that led to Smiley Aesthetics
0: Sure so uh the journey kind fast of started with me um uh, my story or really the Smiley the story of Smiley technically starts like a little over 4 years ago I struggled with addiction um a little over four and a half years ago, and went into treatment and went to recovery. Part of that, the anesthesia community especially, is um, is super taboo. It's also very uh, there's a stereotype that goes with that. And then you know, part of the what we do is go into a monitoring program in each state that prevents you from working in anesthesia for a year. I don't really speak more to that. Um, it's frustrating and it's tough because it's a loss of income that you have to find another avenue, essentially, with your, with your registered nurse degree. Um, that kind of doesn't involve any type of controlled substance. When that happened, I uh, got a position at a med spa in Knoxville, um, where I was based at the time and where I went to anesthesia school. And I started um, as their first injector, the brand new med spa, med spa. And so we can speak more to training and me diving into that um, and experience. So I did that for a couple of years, um, went back to anesthesia, of course. Um, and then in the fall of 2021, I kind of uh, was pregnant with my second child, uh, looking for something to do outside the OR again for a while. And the idea of doing some mobile Botox um, kind of came. Not a new idea, but um, thought that would be fun. had a great physician who was a good friend of mine who was super open to the idea of being a medical director and me just doing it in Knoxville. Being identical twin sisters, everything I do, I kind of pitched to her. I was like, you should run around Nashville and, and do, we should do this together. And he was amenable to having multiple injectors. And so that's how Smiley Aesthetics, um, you know, as a brand was born. We filed with the state on February 16th and launched the actual Smiley Aesthetics on February 16th, our birthday of last year in 2022, Um, And then quickly saturated uh, with our clientele as a side job, if you will, a very important side job when I say side job, but as a side job, and we wanted to bring on another nurse. um, And we wanted to monetize that for us. How could we make this into a business? With that being said, the compliance piece of it, um, which I definitely know you, Jennifer, speak to a lot, was a big part of it. So we brought on our attorney um, as a partner uh, with us. And the model as it stands today was born in May, just a year ago. Um, and we just expanded very quickly um, into nine states, actually. Uh, we have five brick and mortar locations and we have over 90 mobile med spas. Wow. So that's just a, a little over a
2: year. You said five brick and mortar locations, 90 injectors? Uh-huh, a little
0: over 90 mobile injectors. Uh, some of them do have their own med spas that we, you know, own technically, but they, um they kind of run their own businesses. It's an owner operator kind of model. But yes, over ninety of those. Wow, what um
2: incredible fast journey.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: I'm sure to you guys it really you feel like it seems like it happened fast or it happened slow. So something you when you said that about you kind of were out of work because you couldn't work in anesthesia. So basically smiley was born out of a necessity.
0: One in four providers for anesthesia specifically uh deal with addiction and um for us, because our access is so the narcotics is so accessible. I'm not sure how else about to say that. Uh, once you're, you know, expose yourself or ask for help, you are um, you can become very limited in what you can do for for that year, like I said. So losing that income uh is challenging. And so yeah, needing to go into the aesthetic space was kind of born out of a necessity and also an interest, but truly out of necessity. I didn't the interest and the love for the space did not come first, that's for sure for me yeah it was definitely out of necessity and and the reason that Smiley Aesthetics is here honestly that was a very difficult time in my life in terms of you you know losing your career for a year and then find a challenge of okay why have you been out for a year you know and then looking to the future of finding a job and stuff all that is still a challenge I face today I still do anesthesia on the side it's still a challenge if I ever left that it would still be very challenging for me to to move forward so it's certainly a amazing opportunity for any medical provider addiction to be in the medical space without um, some of the controlled substance issues and then to still be very successful. So it's, it's really a important part of our story for sure.
2: I love that you share that. And I, I do find it very, I guess, frustrating that it is such a taboo subject in our anesthesia, you know, profession, that it is taboo and you're probably treated maybe differently uh, when it is so common, and I always think, you know, what is being done to, to help? And so I feel like you're a very good example of someone to say, like, hey, what looks like maybe is one of the worst things that happened to you, you know, that can be your restart, that can be your new your rebirth. And now I'm sure for you, it'd be hard to imagine that you ever do an anesthesia again full time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't definitely don't ever see myself doing it full time again. Uh, I love it, and that's why I've continued it. I uh, I don't necessarily even you know, need to do it now, but it is something we talk about very frequently on, on when's the time for me to just give it up. That has implications for my entire family. Um, And back to your, um, to what you mentioned about, so taboo, because assumptions are made very quickly about, well, if an anesthesia provider has an addiction, no matter what it is, they're clearly stealing from the OR. So that very strong, just like connection is very unfortunate. It is not true. Much of the time, as And then it is true a lot of the time. But even those people deserve help. They deserve the disease. Um, You know, they deserve a second chance, if you will. Um, So, yeah. And then I like to say I did not come out uh, with this story until last fall. By doing that, I am inviting very openly people to reach out and they have to ask me questions about everything from what happened to me all the way to when I came out, because that's an important part of a, anyone in recovery story. I wouldn't recommend it on day one. Um, and then, you know, what I've done since to to be in recovery and, and what that looks like for me because everyone's story is unique. And I think part of Smiley's mission is to provide an opportunity for people, both CRNAs and otherwise, and nurses to do something different than what is the standard, to not just work in a hospital or work for a physician or the things that we are kind of taught in school that that's what you're going to do. This is the only way. This is what it is. Not to take it away from her story, but that was where the other half of my mission came in because my background in leadership in the hospital, you've seen all kinds of kinds, whether it's addiction or just the general burnout, COVID just mm-hmm, tough. Um, and so it's an opportunity to get away from that. I like what you said, Dr. Sewell, and then I'll be quiet about that. But you said mainstream, you used the word mainstream uh, medicine. Um, uh, it's certainly an opportunity to get out of mainstream medicine on her front, like she said, and then from the hospital as well as an addiction standpoint.
1: I just wanted to, to, to congratulate you again because, like, there's so many people that have addictions and, and they don't, you know, many of the addictions that are out there are not to narcotics, like, especially in anesthesia, they to alcohol. Like, there's, that's a pretty, I mean, there's so many people that I've I've seen in anesthesia where, you know, I know at least two providers that I actually worked with at the hospital that had addictions that had to get treated. And it's just like you said, it's a very taboo and everybody's kind of sweeps it under the rug, but just to stand out and to show that, you know, Hey, this, this negative thing happened, but you took that and you used it as a positive and you overcame that. And that just, that, that to me is such a, a inspiring story. And, uh, to kind of speak kind of to, um, uh, to kind of to the opportunity as well, just uh, like you said, like you know, many times we're programmed or we're told or we're, we're assumed this is the only way that we can do these things. And the reality is that all of us are very powerful. All of us have huge amounts of knowledge. And no matter how, what training you did, getting into medicine in any form is a challenge. You know, <laughs> and so compared to, to to the average, you know, kind of uh, job or something that's out there, like you've undergone so much. And then so I think by people by, by showing you as a model for pe- other people, like it allows people to realize the potential that they have inside of them. So I just wanted to congratulate both of you on that.
2: Yeah, and that that speaks a lot to your, how do you say tenacity or mental toughness? Because I know a lot of people like, you know, if they had to take the year off and just treatment and it wrecked them, you know, they they get a really hard time. But you not only survived that, came through it, uh, but also started a business, which is one of the toughest things that you can do. So that says a lot uh, to, you know, that your mental strength that you have, that that you did two really hard things at the same time. Mm -hmm. well congratulations
0: yeah thank you having her you know by my side and it makes me emotional you know it just never would have happened and so um like you said entrepreneurship is lonely and it's tough and we love to speak to the fact that you know having having someone on the same wavelength um with us through the journey is you can't a lot of people don't have that and so um yeah i just super grateful to be here the growth that's happened over the four and a half years for me is instrumental in just everything that we can provide now for people from that mental health standpoint and addiction. And I do hope to grow the platform for that. And that's something we always say
2: too that business ownership, entrepreneurship, is more of a personal development journey. Uh, do either of you want to speak of how maybe you feel like you've grown as people just since starting this?
0: Yeah. Um, so, like I said, my background being with um, a, a large healthcare company, um, the I was a manager and a leader, and you didn't get to define what your culture was because the company had already defined it. Um, And defining your own culture is really just an exercise in personal growth. So this owning your own business and starting your own business, particularly on this particular platform, um, has allowed me, definitely, and both of us to decide who we want to be as leaders, who we want to be in this company, and then to test ourselves to see if we can stick to it because if money ever gets tight or there's a big decision to be made, the it's pretty easy to or it feels pretty easy sometimes and that it happens that the employees or the people underneath or those are those the ones that end up suffering. And we have realized and grown into what our culture is and we are not wavering from it. And we are taking care of our objectors, our people, first and foremost. And that really has helped us both grow, not only in appreciation for each other, um, because her going through her journey was hard, right? Like, it's, it, I mean, not to... Harder on her, but like, Lord have mercy. That killed me. Um, so, so that really was challenging for her to ask, that, hey, you should do mobile Botox. That wasn't, um, I wasn't overly interested. And then to start to grow this out of really more of a need than a desire, which quickly turned into a desire and turned into both of our passion. Uh, it really helped me come to my own as an entrepreneur and as an operations and systems person. And so you see that personal growth. And that has been important, and they were able to sink that into our own culture. We get to decide. I get to decide what are the pillars we're going to stand on, or what is this culture going to be. And it's been an interesting journey, and that is by far the most attractive piece of this, and it's worth the ride to get to decide who and what you are to be.
2: Yeah, I love how you explain that, because no one's ever said that in such a way, you know, the company determines your culture and what you're going to believe. But now you, you're totally... um you know, in charge of your own destiny, the captain of your own ship through what you've done.
1: That's so yeah. amazing. Like I remember when I was stuck in mainstream medicine, I had this opportunity where I had a clinic on the side and it wasn't making any money. And I was still doing my, my main, uh, you know, med- mainstream medical job. And I had the, the guy who was, uh, like my boss came to me and said, Hey, you got to make a decision. And I just remember this one quote. And it just like, when you said that it triggered me, uh, like in a good, in a good way, I guess, <laughs> Um, it triggered me to remember like I remember this quote and it said, Ships are safe in the harbor, but ships are not meant to be in the harbor and just like with the both of you, I mean, you can like this is definitely your your destiny or your passion. Or you can like I can only imagine how far the versions of yourself are now from where you would have been if you had just stayed in traditional mainstream medicine,
0: so don't get me wrong like the the experience in the career that I had certainly defined me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, in more in, in the w- things I did want to do, but obviously more importantly, the things I didn't want to do. So I do believe that 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 growth and they did so much for me between the education and the opportunity, and they took a chance on me when I was very young, which certainly helped this process along. So I can't you know say of course that it was our journey or what has happened. They had so much to do with it. I'm I'm definitely grateful to mainstream medicine because it not only grows you into what you are, but also shows you what you don't want to be.
1: And just for people that that can't, you know, see or don't know your backstory, um, you guys are identical twins. You know, um, maybe could you talk a little bit more about kind of your, kind of how you maybe grew up and then how you guys, you know, supported each other? Because I know for me, I'm always fascinated by twins. I think a lot of people are. Um, Do you feel comfortable talking about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we grew up and born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Our parents divorced at a very early age um, when we were three, which was kind of defining for us in a lot of ways. Um, wasn't an overly you know healthy situation growing up between our parents, but that is probably some of the thing that bonded us even further. Obviously, we're identical twins uh, we are those freaky identical twins that are made for each other like there is there's no fraternal twins are very different, um even identical twins that aren't as close, like we are the closest of the close when it comes to that. So that is an advantage, and I always bring that up when we're doing our trainings and we're teaching other nurses. I'm like, we we have an advantage. We're identical twins with the last name (laughs) smiling for crying out loud. Marketing dream and aesthetics. So um, we've used that to our advantage. Um, But when it comes to business and and, and our childhood, um, we leaned on each other heavily uh, throughout our childhood. We had some bumps. We had some times when we grew apart. But then ultimately, we really truly believe a biological lead for one another is why we just came right back our husbands support that they understand the relationship and it's 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 a need it's not a desire and I think that is a difference we're a shining example of why family business can work but also a bad example because there is a literal biological (laughs) issue that makes it work because we're not going to do it without each other so I always caution people you can set boundaries you can set swim lanes um, and we, through a lifetime of being together, were able to define those and bleed them into our business in a healthy way to make it work. You're talking about when you train
2: injectors and even the culture, you know, that you set for your injectors. Um, one of our mentors says something of the fact that, like, you can feel like you really understand something, and then after you teach it to someone else, like, you understand it to a whole different level. Have you have any thoughts on that? Like, now that you've mentored and uh, helped maybe non injectors, you know, that work with you, how how do you feel like it's changed um, your own practice or uh, your skill set?
0: It changed in the beginning. It doesn't change too much now once you, you know, once I've done it enough or, or trained. You know, probably hundreds of of providers at this point. What does change is a lot of what we're speaking to today. How you train, being able to speak to your audience, be able to look at somebody and see their their uh, positives, their strengths, and their weaknesses. Uh, even see what they're struggling with. A whole day of training, you can really, we keep our trainings, you know, to 10 or under for the reason that they can never get too big and definitely have two or three providers when we do train. Um, but so that I can see people and help them, um, you know, see their struggle and stuff. A lot of that has come from the growth of of being therapized. Like, I, li- I like to call it, because I love therapy. I think everybody should be in it. But being heavily therapized over the past four years. But all of that has come together, back to your point of, like, being something a destiny or a Your point to be able to provide a training that goes deeper than just like poke here poke here do this do this uh, and then send them on i think something else that has really changed her the way we train and the way we train our trainers and the way our program has developed is is our model and the fact that we are typically training nine percent of the people in the class are those that are coming on with us in some form or fashion um you know owning their own business with us and then they're going they go into a community and when you know because aesthetics is you know, you've mentioned like being in the CRNA can be a bit of a jerk community. Aesthetics most certainly is. And people are very competitive and they don't want to help and they're charging crazy amounts for shadow or things like that. Well, w- what we built in our company is that team approach where you are, there is no competition. Yes, it's your own clients, it's your own business, but we are all in a group. WhatsApp, they, all kinds of things. And this is just consistent support structure. And the reason I share that is because that also changes the way why our training or why she trains differently because you know if they're not you're not just sending them out good luck don't do don't screw it up you really are going to go continue learning and growing at the appropriate pace with the 90 other people who are either just starting mature way down the road whatever the case is so that has altered the way that you trained I think well and with that with that being said The people that don't come on with us that I do send out to the world uh, are also welcome. Right. They get free anything after. I (laughs) will, You know, I I spend a lot of my time answering messages from our aesthetics group, emails, phone calls, just say, you know, you're not coming on with us. We, you know, sure, it's a pitch a little bit. We can provide you with this or I will help you get set up with Allergan you know, MERS, anybody that you need to, here's how you do this, here's what I found with those skin fan and our I don't know if we're allowed to say brands, but, you know, and just give as much advice business-wise as well as, you know, clinically that I can without charging anybody for it. And to tie that up, it's because we truly believe in this part of our mission that there is enough space in to go around. At, at this time, one day, sure, that might change. We're years away from a saturation. There is... You know, 14 million people a year who get Botox, there's 400 million or something like that in the country. Like, it's a joke, right? There's never going to be enough nurses to treat the amount of people who are going to get aesthetics. So why be jerks about it?
1: I love the fact that you focus on the community over the competition because that's like the number one mistake I see, especially especially healthcare entrepreneurs or medical entrepreneurs make, is that they're in, and I made this when I first came out, I was so focused on, oh, Dr. X is over there, like he's going to take my business. And the reality is when you do the math, like you guys could both be maxed out and like 10 other people would be maxed out and you still wouldn't be big enough to even. Oh you know? yeah,
0: not even close.
1: And I'm not sure if you saw the study from Allergan that they just recently did, where they showed that they, they had a question. They said, how much has neuromodulator, uh, you know, Botox and other other neuromodulators, how much have they penetrated the market? Like how much market is left over? And what they came back and found was that all the neuromodulators currently have only penetrated the market 5%. Yeah. That's so there's great. another 95% open. So uh, that's why, you know, just like you said, a hundred percent, there are more than enough people that, that want this. And there's, and just like what we see with our med spas and some of the ones that, you know, uh, we, we coach as well um, is that most of the people that are coming in are people that are interested, but they don't have enough information. So that's like right. there's kind of sitting on the sidelines.
0: Right. right. It's not like I want to steal like a few of your lines and, and let me know if those are tradable, but your community over competition, I mean, that's, a that's, in three words, defining what we're trying to grow here. There is a level of consulting that at some point I think that I'm going to offer. And I'm, I don't want to take down the entrepreneur part of it. Will we monetize something eventually? Of course. Will I always be a free advice person to our aesthetics community for the CRNAs? Absolutely. You know, there will be a line where that, you know, you cross over into a, a hands on consultant for your business. That, that's probably going to be a thing. However, it'll never get away from the competition thing of. I won't answer a question because I want to charge for it. I just, you know, that's kind of the stuff that we're just staying away from. And we really focus in on the business part of it, right? Because nurses are are quite simply, like we talked about, taught a trade. We, We don't, most of us, I mean, not to offend, but it's true. Don't know how to do your taxes. Don't, an LLC, what's that? Like, it's just the most basics of things we were just not taught because it's essentially a trade school. So from a nursing perspective and even physicians, I think, I mean, they, they typically have a little bit more of that, but it's still very focused and mainstream when, medicine. When in reality that the critical thinking, <laughs> some of those skills that you need to be a good medical provider are things that make great entrepreneurs. Yes. So trying to help bridge that gap. Not everybody has to get an MBA, but we can help bridge that gap for them to get some of the basics started. So they can compliantly and safely and smartly get started from a business perspective too.
1: I think you nailed it right on the head, Carla. No, especially physicians, like I've never seen anyone have really good business education at all. And and I don't think, you know, definitely not CRNAs, definitely not RNs, definitely not nurse practitioners, definitely not PAs. I think they purposely deprive us of that in many ways because the whole goal isn't to turn out an entrepreneur that can have their own practice. It's to turn out an employee for a large system. For a
0: hospital. So, sorry, that's true.
1: I think what you're, you guys are doing is you're empowering so many people. And that's kind of like, you know, so much to the mission of medical entrepreneurs to, to show people like, hey, you can build your own business. It's not like rocket science. Like if you can figure out how to be an RN, the business stuff is, is like, it's way easier than understanding, right. you know, yeah. like cardiovascular physiology or whatever. Yeah, it's,
0: it's just daunting. Yeah, well, and it is easy. And then by, by becoming a medical provider, you have just put up the biggest barrier to entry to your space and whatever it is as long as you're utilizing that license which is one of the biggest things in entrepreneurship is what barrier to entry is there so someone doesn't just rip you off bam you have a medical license let's just toss that sucker right up there and and fortify it because that you're starting out so much farther ahead of the game uh, than other people so it really is um it really is cool and something that should be shared and and, and i want to just we've been just screaming it from the rooftops you can do it Well, I think you guys are kind of disrupting the industry,
2: especially in Tennessee. But now you're expanding into other states, too, because previously, when you're talking about barrier of entry, I feel like for any like nurse, CRNA, uh, nurse practitioner that wants to go into business, like there's so much to figure out. But you guys are kind of simplifying it because you're like, hey, we figured it out. Come join us. You still have your own business. What advice do you have for anyone maybe that's like trying to start this? Like what would be your first advice if you're thinking about getting to aesthetics, you're not really sure to
0: start? Like what What's your first actionable? We can do even do this better. It's catching people more upstream. For medical providers, the first thing they think they need to do when they want to do something is to go get trained. And and, and, in fact, I, I really would rather than in our particular example, have done all these other pieces beforehand so that the skill can be implemented as close to training as possible. We know how it works. Practice a Foley. It's a lot easier to go put one in and then wait six months to do it, and then you're freaking out all over again.
1: Basically, I think your your advice is really correct because we see that all the time where people go get training. They'll have you know they'll do all their training, and then it's like okay, now I'm ready to start. They don't have a medical director. They don't have a they don't have anything. They don't have anything set up like business structure. Nothing, you know.
0: Yeah, all the time. Yeah. So that is the biggest piece of advice that I would give to people, assuming you're not like coming into a model like ours is to try and find that person to do that flight consultation with. I would say do not Google. You need to go speak to somebody and be wary of that person because the level of compliance out there is rather low. But go try to find a credible resource and get some of those first steps taken care of before you go seek out that training. Well, let, let me speak to that. A credible resource being uh, just because your brother's an attorney does not mean he has any idea what the heck he's talking about. The, uh, yeah. And then let me take it a step further. Even if he's a healthcare attorney... He still probably does not know exactly with medical spa laws what exactly they mean. And then, importantly, your state. Let's talk about finding the resource in your state because every state is so different, uh, or at least there are varying levels of each state. Uh, And so those are definitely some of the pieces. Find out what you need when you're not joining a Somali Aesthetics or something. You want to do this by yourself, totally doable, but finding what you need to be compliant because your entire career is on the line as we all know, sitting on this call. So treating it as such. And I, I use the analogy that nurses, when you go into a hospital, you have your clients handed oh, you. to you. You go into a supply room and you grab everything that you need and you're just doop, doop, do to whatever. Oh, that fully touched her leg. Toss that one out and grab another one. It's only $1,500, but the hospital's paying for it. No sweat. This is just completely different. So the same way that you would set up a procedure and with the care, let's say a physician was coming in and they were coming in to do a procedure, you set up everything you can think that that person needs in the room so that it is as soon as possible. That is an analogy to a business plan. We often don't want to do that because it's not in our nature. Someone's crashing and burning. Decision, 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 action, action, action. That is not what you're getting into. You're getting into owning and operating your own business and it is very different. Very doable, but very different. So the first step, business, business plan and foundation. What do you need? A medical director, an EMR, you know, some legal agreements between you and your medical director, your account with whatever service you're going to provide, and then I also tell them start slow because you have such wide profit margins on aesthetics, and you you really can make some good money and utilize free social media marketing and other things like that. If you'll just calm down and not jump straight into forty-seven thousand lasers and fourteen different procedures. You will make the money you need to then feed back in. And that is our model and what we're teaching nurses. For very low overhead and very low entry financially, you can start a business with exactly what we did. We put no money into this other than our training and our initial supply, which is what we have now emulated. You can then bill if you'll just be patient. But as medical providers, that's not how we operate, right? Because everything in the hospital is you have 12 hours. get that mess done. You didn't get, get out. They're dying. They're not dying. Go, go, go. I mean, it's just, it's not. It's a very different situation. So take a breath, make a plan.
1: You hit it right on the head, Carla. That's exactly. That's so so especially ingrained, and, you know. And even as different, not only all medical providers, but I to even hyper ingrained, especially in people that work in the operating room because mm-hmm. you can yeah. still turn, yeah. turn, turn. You know. Yeah. You know. it's Perfect. That's that's you hit it right on the head exactly. And the whole idea of taking the time to gain some clarity by writing the business plan first, pays for itself over and over, you know?
0: Yes. It and it doesn't have to be some special business plan. It's just, what do I need? Yeah. And then this is where it rolls back to what we've already discussed, finding people that aren't jerks and who will tell you, here are the things that you need. I may not be able to speak to, you know, New Mexico at this point in time, and I'm never giving legal advice. Nothing we talk about on this podcast or anywhere else is legal advice, but finding somebody who... We'll just tell you, here's a list of five things that you should start with and then consider your training. And then I have thoughts on where, you know, on how to pick your training, of course, as well. I love it
2: too, what you said about the starting small, because I feel like um, even maybe after training, like as soon as you get a space, the first thing, you know, here comes a laser salesman, here comes a whatever, like all the salesmen and like they have all these like big, like grandiose ideas of like, hey, you know, you can make like a million dollars a year with this one machine. And (laughs) uh I feel like that, you know, like you said, they kind of take advantage of the whole medical background that you don't really know, like a lot about business. And I see a lot of people make that mistake. And like what you said, like they don't think about, oh, I need to get patients first. And I love how you guys are just like reiterate over like, hey, start simple. Let everything pay for itself. Don't go into debt. You know, start small and
0: let everything pay for let the business pay for itself. And that's so important what you said. Don't forget you have to have clients first to be able to Use that cute little laser you have in the mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. and make yeah. Even we, even we at Smiley, the one thing we say we cannot provide you is a client. Like we don't have a client list. Now with branding, we you know, we do get clients through a website that we're able to divvy out to people, but still it's nothing like the hospital. The fifty clients, yeah, you need to you here's know, your six patients, two or whatever it is. Yeah, no that way.
1: I love that. And that's just a hallmark of true entrepreneur to to not, you know overly use resources when you start like the whole ability to bootstrap like that that's always somebody who knows what they're doing in business so congratulations both of you you're helping so many people
2: yeah that's the, entrepreneurs use what they have like they, they figure out to you know sell what they have before they add something else yes nice.
1: one of the questions we want to ask you kind of like a general question and it's designed to kind of uh, provoke some thought um what is everyone in the what should everyone in the aesthetic industry stop doing
0: fighting Being jerks. This is true. I mean, the bedrock of aesthetics is built on competition, and it is built on, you know, tearing down the other injector. Someone comes in, you know, unhappy with the other injector. It is a culture and and one of our sticking points. If you're with our branding and our model, like, I'm never tearing down the other injector. Now, if they're, you know, somebody who's not even a medical provider who's sticking Korean-based filler in your face, I will tear them down all day long. But just because another injector to you or something like that I don't even want to know yeah like I, I, don't, I don't care try to catch it on the front end and I would prefer not to know who uh where you were at what med spa you're at or what injector you're using you know when it's local I don't even want to know it yeah. only hurts the industry and tear each other down and it only it's only going to bring to your point earlier Dr. Sewell it's only going to bring in more of that 95 percent into us if we are collectively positive about each other and about the experience. And there's plenty of those people to go around. So stop being so competitive with each other. There's plenty of rooms um, for everybody. Everyone is much more attracted to an industry that is not so competitive.
1: That is so true. That's, that's such a good, good answer. I was wondering if you can maybe talk about the three fears that you see that are holding people back from maybe making that leap from going From maybe a mainstream medicine job i say this on the the back of we we, you know you may have seen recently there's been some published data on physicians and they don't really do it for for nurse practitioners for crnas they they don't they don't do this because i think they'll find that it's even worse but you see like the suicide rates are through the roof people depression levels through the roof um burnout you know through the roof right if someone is stuck like that when you obviously you've helped so many people go from that situation to having their own business now even if it's just a side business what do you find are the three fears that kind of hold them back
0: Yeah, I mean, financially is number one. Um, They are afraid. Our goal is to help them at a minimum drop that fourth shift. At the most base, like you, you make an extra six or seven hundred dollars. Well, we all know in aesthetics, you can do that very quickly. So we can, like, we can get you there. I mean, we can definitely help you get there. Um, But that financial piece is that financial leap, because if you start a business on the side, you have your current salary, and then your business grows and grows and grows, and then you're making double. I mean, you're you're burning it from both ends, but you have this much and then you have to drop this one. And you essentially went back what you were before, before you can then go like that. So I think the financial piece is one of the scariest things um, in aesthetics. And then the second one I'll say, and then I'll let Mary say one, is the fear of competition. One of the biggest things I get is that I'm turning into this business and this industry in particular and everyone is is mean. Like I've tried to ask questions just to even see if I want to do this. And no one will talk to me. They want to charge me hundreds of dollars just to get a question. And so there's this idea that, again, it's thousands of thousands, and thousands of dollars just to get started. Because the first time you go ask a question, someone wants $500. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. So a fear of the unknown because we created this culture. And then, yeah, a third fear would be insane not to talk about failure, just in general. Just Yeah. You know, failing both financially, failing as a business, uh, which is also financial, but then, from aesthetics, is being good at what uh, we're doing as injectors, right? So, especially in anesthesia and all medical providers, we're already type A. And so, in order, we want to be the best of the best. And so, if I start out and I have my first, this, I speak to this a lot in training, the first that I left, I knew just stinks. And, it, and then she's not happy, and I had to dissolve them, and then she went somewhere else. That stinks some people right away. They just are done. That third fear of, of not being the best of the best because we're all type A medical providers. And then having a set of lips that fails, or a Botox that you know maybe spocks an eyebrow or droops the lid or something, and then feeling like yeah you can't can't go on and it's just over. That's a huge fear in aesthetics that I definitely um, yeah that definitely is top
1: three. Your point, Mary, is really really valid because I feel like so many medical professionals we have undergone so much education, and the education system isn't based on the real world. So you're told oh you got to get ninety percent, oh you got to get ninety five percent. You got, you're, you're trying to reach this unattainable, like being perfect when in the real world, there's a lot of things in the real world that work really great that aren't perfect, you know? <laughs> yeah, And like when you build a business, the business is never perfect. I've never built a business that's been perfect. I've never seen one that's perfect. There's always room for improvement. Right. And so a lot of that is just switching that mindset. So you, you hit it right on the head. That's you know, so often we're trained. I got to do perfect. to do perfect. If it's not perfect. then they, they, they shut themselves down. Like, oh, I'm a failure. I couldn't do it. You know? Cause I didn't get my 98% or whatever, you know? We
2: were having this conversation about that actually at dinner last night, you know, like um, if you wait until everything's perfect, like it just
0: may never happen. So you you have to start and then perfect the process. So true for so many things in life. There's never a perfect time to have a kid for most people. There's never a perfect time to start a business. There's never a perfect time to move to a new city. So yeah. it's the same thing here. And then to what you just said, Dr. School, like this whole we're taught by a book, it, it's similar in aesthetics. We are initially there is a didactic portion of education that needs to happen But there's still, there's a million ways to do, a thousand ways to do a set of lips. So, you know, that's overwhelming to a beginning injector. But it's also, I try to spin it into a positive thing of, you know, safety first. And then how you get that perfect set of lips is going to evolve from what I taught you, from what so-and-so taught you. And then you get all this training your first, hopefully forever, all the time. But as your trainings go, you learn something totally new that's just totally different than um, safety stays the same. I think that's across the board similar in every training, or it should be, but how to inject in the practical side of it is way past didactic and stuff. And so I also think in um, business and in medicine, and people may not resonate with this term, but it's constantly um, shoved down our throats without us realizing it is that whole kind of high reliability organization thesis, Um, airlines, supposed to be in hospitals and medicine, like that need for perfection all the time, because you are dealing with in the medical side, in the hospital patients' lives. And it is hard for nurses and medical providers, providers to disassociate that when the reality is this, this is reversible. This is going to go away. You're not going to kill somebody. I mean, I think that there's so a specific level of needed perfection mm-hmm. um, in in terms of a fear, backing off that a little bit. We want to be safe and be quality. But guys, we're not, you know, this is not, half. this doesn't have perfect.
2: Do you um, have any advice for managing patient expectations? Because I feel like that's kind of a lot of what we do is managing expectations. Um,
0: any advice you'd like to give on that? It's just setting it. Yes, I have a strong opinion. Uh, that's similar to most people. It's setting it on the front end. Uh, I mean, the first thing I do before I ever touch a patient is set expectations for whatever service they want and then any potential services that they want beyond that. And if I can set that expectation initially, I drill that in so much. Um, even setting the expectation that your Botox may not work at all. I mean, the worst case scenarios for the vascular occlusions. It's like, you know, providers are scared to talk about some of those things with their uh, with the person in the chair for fear of them maybe not wanting to get the service, I guess, or maybe add on the filler the next time they come in. But in fact, that's that's not that's proven to not be true. And that uh, transparency and that education, which is a foundation of smiley aesthetics and how we teach people to inject, is have an educational background. Or an educational um, starting point, which they need to know why they got 40 units in their face or my thought behind the 64 units in their face, not just, this is what I gave you. Nice to see you. Cheers. See you. Bye. It's fascinating how many people who come to us um, as new clients who have already had Botox have no no idea. And we make a point of being like, this is what we did and why. So that if you were to go somebody else past me, you know what you liked, what worked, and how it happened, it's, it's it's not rocket science to give you a general idea of what, what went down. Right. And then a super passionate thing for me is this whole idea that patients can walk in and tell me how much Botox they need to stick to Botox. Or one syringe of filler is going to get them a perfect set of lips. That industry, that's the industry problem that's been set, is just uh, you're, okay, you're a diabetic. You wouldn't ever walk in and tell a physician how many units of insulin to give you. It's the same thing. It's medication. I am prescribing you your Botox. So thank you for what you think you need. I will make my recommendation and then we will move on from that. I will set the expectation based on what I recommend. And then if you are for some reason set on 34 versus 40 units I recommend, let's talk about what that's going to do potentially and set your expectation. So yeah. my best advice is is setting it, just setting it very initially, first off, and don't ever let, there's never a loss of control of You speak to it in the beginning. Yeah, and in the defense of of nurses who struggle, medical providers who struggle with this, right? The hospital and your previous experience almost all the time has set the customer expectation way up here, right? You don't get credit for a good experience unless you're a 9 or a 10. So it is very difficult for us to take charge and be what we need to be. You're in my chair. This is my situation because this is not the same thing as being in a hospital setting. So that disassociation from that is very difficult. Especially for RNs, right? Because physician is the one, uh, you know, in the hospital especially, kind of setting setting the standard and the expectation. If they get sick, RNs really don't get blamed, right? Not, I mean, it's this physician that's going to get blamed. And so when an RN owns your own business, even a nurse practitioner, and uh, setting those expectations is just foreign to us where we're coming out of mainstream medicine. So just doing it first off, having having the confidence to start off that way, It'll quickly become the norm in your practice and in your business as, as the aesthetic, as the injector, as the owner of the business if you will just start that way. And the last thing I'll say on mm-hmm. is get your mind out of your patient's wallet. That's my saying. We are definitely worried because we aren't concerned with that financial side and mainstream medicine, again, in the hospital particularly. It, it's not on us at all to be concerned about what's finances or any of those things to a fault, to a complete fault. But that translates over to a we are constantly worried forty units four hundred dollars. And we're just like, Oh my gosh, this is gonna be a thousand dollars. Like, stop. They they're here because either they chose to be here because they can afford it or they can't afford it and they're choosing it. Whatever the case is, it's not really your concern. So just get your mind out of their wallet if it's business, you are making profit. This is a for profit industry. We are not, you know, in the hospital. This is a different scenario.
1: Wow. That, that is so good. And like, when you look at it from the mainstream medicine point of view, imagine if you, you, know, your grandmother went to a cardiologist and the cardiologist was worried, well, I don't know how much money she has. So I'm not going to give her the option to have a stint. I'm just going to tell her she can take these meds. You know, you, you would consider that person to be, you know, practicing malpractice, right? Not doing what's best in interest. So you really bring that, the point is like that happens so often. And I think a lot of it is because people are uncomfortable with money, but you're exactly right. You need to act the same way you do in the kind of the hospital where you're like, Hey, this is what's best for you. If you can find it, if you can, if you can pay for it, cool. If not, here's the second best option, you know?
0: Yeah, right. The aesthetic injury has done a bad job of um, letting the injector decide what the patient needs in the sense that there are standards, and that's one of the things we really harp on. Malarhin's dosing is FDA approved for a specific reason. The dose equals the duration. It is shown, it is clinically studied. So there's a level of, of course, autonomously deciding what you need and, and, and what you want based on your aesthetic needs. But then the dosing and stuff like that is kind of set. So to your point, don't we wouldn't, we're not taking it down because we think they can't afford it. No, this is medicine. And this is a set clinically backed way to do things. And our role is to guide them through what they aesthetically want. And then we treat them appropriately based on guidelines and based on clinically proven stuff.
2: We've talked about a lot of things like, um, you know, maybe the competition and aesthetics and maybe the way we've uh, positioned pricing or patient options. Is there anything that you think that's coming that will maybe change the industry and anything we've talked about or maybe something that we've not talked about? Anything you think that's going to be an industry changer that's coming up? Like a product? Anything, like product, uh, the way we do things, like um, even we talked about the pricing and even, you know, like some people are moving away from pricing from the unit to pricing per area or not pricing syringe, but pricing, you know, for what we're treating. Um, Anything that you think is coming
0: that will maybe change the way we practice or they'll change the industry? I mean, I so reaching to what you just said, even the way that I'm training people to to get off of, don't sell a syringe, sell a set of lips. Don't sell a number of units. Sell how all three of these work together and why the educational behind it. And so that's very similar to what you just mentioned now, just mentioned of setting, um, selling the area, which is close to what I'm saying. I'm even going a step further of selling the result instead of selling the syringe or even the area, and then educating on why I'm selling you. The three areas together for physically, like anatomically, why they all work together, and then you know, selling a, the instead of syringes, that lip experience is you know, I'm not saying that's a real reality for the the new injector. Selling a syringe makes the most sense, and we do say that. But once you have a little confidence in in the set of lips that you provide, for example, the cheek you provide, whatever, selling that experience and that result uh, instead of those syringes and stuff is is what I hope the industry moves to. Uh, it will be a game changer for clients, for sure, as well as for businesses. And people will be much happier. Clients, especially, the business is happier because they're getting a result and not, you know, from from the business side, I think um the model that we are presenting, not to do a plug for Smiley, but the idea is that you are working for yourself and you are you are getting that money and you're not working for a medical director. Or you're not you're doing the work, you've gotten the education, you're doing. That whole model idea of owning and operating your own business, as opposed to just being an injector in a med spa and getting some illegal commission flint or whatever the case is, that's this big and giving all your money away. I really do think that model and aesthetics will be uh, disruptive and will change things, and that's that's what we're working towards to put the power back in the back in the hands of the nurse medical provider uh, and away from corporate.
1: I think Johan was right on. I think we guys are really empowering a whole generation of medical entrepreneurs. And I think right now from from what I see and the people that, that watch a lot of the podcast, people that reach out to us, there's a whole bunch of people in mainstream medicine that are very dissatisfied for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, your your option is is giving them a way to to channel that energy into doing something that can benefit them. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I think it's I think it's amazing. So great kudos for both of you. You did do great things.
2: Yeah, so you're, you're definitely an industry disruptor. And even when I asked you that question, I thought, well, maybe you are the, <laughs> the thing that's coming that'll change the industry, like, you know, what you're doing. So, well, I know you guys have uh, some exciting things coming up. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the projects or things you're working on? I know you both are speaking as an event later this year
0: and uh, you want to talk about some other cool things that you're working on sure so yeah we're both going to be at aesthetic next and speaking um individually to you know put together or, or for smiley at a, um aesthetic next at 5.0 in dallas in september which is an amazing conference people who know way more than us and are doing it for way longer uh speak there and teach their uh their clinical lineup is to die for some of the people that i've been trained by privately and i can speak to more a little plug for Aesthetic Next. We filmed a TV show last week. Um, it's actually our second time. Um, the first one still hasn't been released, but that's really exciting. We can't talk about it too much, but um, that was fun to do, and it was very business-focused. It was educational, a great experience for us. We are coming out with some webinars, and we invested back into our training facility to really um, elevate the, the experience from a technology standpoint, the AV system, uh, and then some of the stuff to be able to reach more people uh, in an affordable sometimes free, but also a very affordable way for education. You know, for us, for a business, we are growing our knowledge um, in a very deep business level. We are, um, you know, opening um, Smiley to investments and we're having, um, you know, some pretty big conversations that will only just help the industry as a whole because investing right now, private equity, venture capital, whatever it is, is a super hot topic for medical um, spas and for aesthetics. Um, it was a focus in AmSpa in February, merger and acquisitions and, and and some of that stuff. So us being knee deep in that, shoulder deep in that space, it will only help us to educate other people even better, even more in it and and, and open them up to the possibility of, of you know, nobody thinks about when they open a MedSpa, is there a chance that I get bought, put into an umbrella that I didn't have shares in, that I'm still operating the business and making great money. But I mean, it's like it's this whole new world of of opportunity for medical aesthetics. So I'm, I'm proud to say that we're dabbling in that heavily. We have been for, for a couple months and um, it'll just, you know, further our ability to help entrepreneurs, which is our ultimate medical entrepreneurs, which is our ultimate goal. So
2: I love that you're both very like passion and impact based. Like I think that kind of comes before even the money or the profits with you guys like and I, I feel like any time that you're giving and you're providing value and something that's going to change like the profits always follow but both of you seem to be very like passionate and very like focused on just the helping aspect and then whatever comes after that you know is just a blessing. I love that
0: you just said that um, a topic that we touched on with some people last week was not being money driven or, or smiley sex truly is not money driven so while we're we're expanding it in more states and and, and growing and growing that side of it and more med spas our mission and our value does not lie in how much money can we make and how quickly it's it's quite the opposite and then speaking back to what we talked about with the competitive part of it you know part of it is a thing and 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 i and we have been blessed in the last year and i do think it's because we we've offered so much stuff um, without trying to make money, and there and, and karma is following us in the sense, blessing us with opportunities and stuff. We're both driven by our backgrounds, and but we don't want to see the future old, yeah. Based on our history, both corporate, personal, upbringing, all of it. Like, right? if you can, if you can change that, um, and we just, you know, this is a great idea, and this is a great business and a great uh, vehicle to do that.
1: Just like you guys have demonstrated, to give so much value, then the money will follow. You know. <laughs> So I love that, and that's (laughs) amazing. And you've helped so many already, so many medical entrepreneurs. And I think it's just your your journey is just beginning. So (laughs) that's so awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. We really love you, love to have you. We loved having you guys. Sorry, (laughs) it's just so cool. Also to to see the see you guys interact. The whole twin thing is amazing. Uh, And just like I think you guys were destined to do this together. It's really cool, you know.
0: People can find us. um, smiley Aesthetics is smileaesthetic um, we have a pretty good social media presence as well, just all under the name Smiley Aesthetics. So it's pretty easy um, to learn about us, and you can learn a lot about us and our model on our website. And and we we really, I'm really really passionate that it is the right fit for you because some people have enough of the backing, education, all the things to do this themselves and don't need us at all. Uh, but for the majority of nurses, they do need what does it break down all that barrier to start and then you, you can just don't worry about it so we really are passionate about making sure it's the right fit and you can kind of find out all about that on our website the training the all kinds of stuff yeah we're launching a youtube channel too to um put more content just that business in and in, um, her instagram and her tic, uh, social media is all business tips that she just posts on there or whatever mine's a little more clinical and it's stuff so another place to Find free stuff and, and wow. just enjoy the show. Then we're going to do a YouTube channel so people would just watch us look <laughs> like twins. <laughs> that's, that's, um, <laughs> with the medical aesthetics, you know, learn something, but also yeah. make fun of us. So thank you all for having us. Yeah, like, this is uh, Yeah, this is amazing. And um, what you guys do. Love the podcast, love all of it. So super excited to be a part of this. Yeah. Can't wait to share. Yeah. Well, it was our pleasure. It's
1: truly Definitely pleasure. our pleasure. And I think the audience learned so much from everything you give and so such great. And thank you for being so open and and sharing. You know, it's really a hallmark of someone who's a, an expert at what they do and also someone who has undergone the, the journey. Because I always feel like the one thing I didn't realize when I first started my medical entrepreneur journey was that the journey was going to be more of an internal thing than external. And while there's a lot of stuff that happens externally, you have to grow inside in order for you to reach those external levels. Yeah. And I can just tell by by the things you say, the way that you say them, that you've undergone that journey. So <laughs> it's just really nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're still working on her, but yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely grown.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on.
0: Yeah, yeah appreciate. appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening. As medical entrepreneurs, we have a saying, one vision, one purpose, freedom through prosperity. If you're ready to follow your destiny and break free of the mainstream medical system, join us at freedomthroughprosperity.com. See you next week.